0: It's Wednesday afternoon, 1 to 2 p.m., and that means you're on the Health Hour. I'm Jonathan Witt, and I'll be taking you for the hour as usual. Uh, back from a little break, thank you to Cindy Fanzel for covering the show for me last week. Uh, we've got a great show lined up today, but uh, before we get uh, into it with my guest in studio, I'm going to chat to Catherine Child from The Times. Uh, let's uh, find out what's the latest in the, the health news. Catherine. Hi. Catherine.
1: Can you
0: hear me? Hello. Uh, I can't hear you because my uh, my headphones aren't working. Give me a second. Ah, there we go. How are you?
1: Hi. I'm great.
0: Ah, much better line today. This is this is working. Um, I'm sitting in the office, so let's hope my
1: colleagues don't make something
0: lots of noise in the background. All right. So let's see how professional the journalists at the Times are. Um, what's happening in the news? So really good news this
1: week. They finally approved a drug for multi-drug-resistant TB treatment. This is after 40 years of no drug. Yeah. It's not going to go to everyone. I mean, it's a very it's going to be a very closely monitored program. But the drug is called the daquiline, and it's been used with other drugs, and it's been used very successfully with people who have a very big chance of dying. Oh... Yeah, we have at least 15,000 people who get drug-resistant TB every year, and the treatment success rate, according to the government's figures, is 40%. I don't know what happens with that, the other 60%.
0: Some people have raised a bit of concern about this new drug, um, but that's sort of been shot down slightly?
1: No, I think the pros that we were aware of the fact that it hasn't passed all its trials, but they still wanted it anyway. So it's been used very, very carefully. There's concern that the drug could change your heart rhythm and could then cause heart problems. Okay. So it was used in a, and it hasn't gone through all the trials that a normal drug would go through to come to market. Okay, so it's still but
0: experimental, it's, essentially. Oh,
1: it's not too experimental. I mean, they've, they've used
0: Hello? And we seem to have lost Catherine. Um, we'll, Hello? Catherine, sorry, I lost you for a second. I'm right there. You were just Can saying, you, you would. yeah, you were just saying that uh, it hasn't, uh, it, it's been around for a bit, uh, but it hasn't gone through all the trials.
1: No, they've been checking them out, and they—I mean—they'll be handed out very carefully. to about three thousand patients, and the doctors will monitor their hearts. But it does mean that those three thousand people are less likely to die
0: and pass it and, on to the rest of the community. More importantly,
1: on. exactly. So if you're thinking I don't care, well, actually, maybe you should. The <laughs> more people we treat, the less likely you're likely to get drug-resistant TB.
0: Right, and 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 the fight for private medical schools—it goes on.
1: I'm, I'm, I'm so tired of this. It's like hearing the same thing over and over. It's like a Zuma corruption story. It's just the same story. Well, I
0: feel like the minister's thrown in a new spanner in the works. Have I missed this along the way that he says that only white people will benefit from private medical schools?
1: You know, he actually said it in April, but I never saw that. was repeated by the same author in the story. Because I think using the the race card
0: is just about the lowest possible argument you can have
1: he doesn't have an argument or he can't tell you what <laughs> it really is.
0: So, so of course, no. there's, there are people advocating for this quite strongly.
1: There are a lot of people who said, "It's just as a health journalist, you hear this often, I'm sure you hear it as a doctor, we don't have enough doctors, we need to produce another 1,200 a year, let's get private medical And we're short of government.
0: something around 10,000 specialists as well.
1: So, Yeah, and you're not going to get the specialists if you don't train the doctors. So how about we improve our training and get private people in? Mm-hmm. Kind of logical. The government says no. They allow some training of private nurses, but none of doctors. And what the minister said is only white people will benefit from expensive medical schools.
0: Yeah, I I have to say that's a completely ridiculous argument. (laughs) And even
1: (laughs) if they did, which is nonsense, their patients are not going to be white. I mean, it's just the most ridiculous thing to say ever. He's basically denying South Africans more doctors.
0: Yeah, I, I, tend to, I tend to agree with you. Um, on, 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 off that point, but on another um, semi-ridiculous story. We're an obese city in an obese country.
1: We know we're an obese country. and, and like All these. Dis- all credit to Discovery for least coming <laughs> up with a... <laughs> I knew you were going to like that. An interesting way of trying to tell us that we're fat, they launched the Obesity Index.
0: What, what, t- tell us what the headline was of the article.
1: Oh, it was fat, lazy, and unmotivated. This is what we call the Discovery Vitality members, those people who pay experts yeah, to get
0: it. There you go. That. All you Discovery Vitality you fat, lazy, and unmotivated. Why?
1: Because people just don't exercise enough. Um, long pain was the worst. They're the fattest city. They um, don't eat enough fruit and veg, so probably too much meat. PE was the second fattest city. And this mm. is actually, this data was worked out by um, professors who, it wasn't as silly as it sounds. It took them about six months, to make sense of the data, and they people well, are nice and thin compared to everyone else. Mm. That's good. But Where's that? Sorry, you, you
0: broke up? Who's, who's nice and thin? Cape Town. Johannesburg. Oh,
1: Johannesburg. We're the, we're the
0: thinnest, okay. but and, and, and,
1: and, we sit the longest.
0: Uh, oh, and then the Capetonians? That's
1: well, they were just the best overall, so they eat the fruit right. and vegetables. I mean, they've all gone mad, but... Bloody hipsters. They still eat. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> they exercise... They drink water, they don't have sugar and, to tea, they don't have too much salt. I mean, they looked at all these things, and their mental health was very good. So they weren't stressed and anxious, mm-hmm. which means they're probably just looking at the mountain. But, yeah, the Cape Townians did really well. So, But right. we all felt terrible, and fat, and, yeah.
0: So, I, since, since the Joburg and Cape Town people are sort of okay, um, I, I want to know who at the U magazine had a stroke. Um mm-hmm and decided that it would be a good idea to photoshop people having shaved heads in support of cancer?
1: Well, apparently they'd done it before. So it it was actually the Cancer Association said, well, we've done it before and there wasn't such an outcry, so let's get the celebs, let's shave their heads and... And show support for cancer, but we won't really shave their heads, and they, they didn't see it coming. I don't know. But I don't cancer- know what they
0: were thinking. It's kind of like me pledging money to donate to cancer and then never giving the money. It's just like—it's not supporting. It's, it's certainly not the point of of of, of uh, shaving your head in support of cancer. I just—it—it it's, seems completely illogical. I don't know how anyone didn't pick this up.
1: And you would think—I mean, the cancer organisation—you think the NGO would know that they are so involved in the cancer space and dealing with. Patients, Look, they've patients, also made
0: mistakes before, hey. There was a point at which they were recommending vitamins uh, as a supplementation for cancer, which was completely non-evidence based. So I suppose they 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 they're open to making mistakes as well. But I just I, the other thing is that I, as far as I understand, uh, you have been quite defensive and have basically said they don't really see a problem here. They say they
1: don't. I mean, maybe they don't. I mean. Yeah, is it a problem? It's made people really angry, <laughs> but I'm thinking maybe you thinking legally it's not a problem and maybe they've attacked it. The a Yeah, oh, no, look, things. legally I don't sure. think it's a
0: problem and, and perhaps the people who buy the magazine don't care that much, but uh, I just think uh, such poor taste. I mean, just no thought in that at all.
1: It is such poor taste. It's a slap in the face to people who lose their hair from cancer, but we're talking about it. So, I mean, if they were wanting to get cancer talked about and tell people to go and touch their breasts and check if they've got a lump, They've kind of succeeded while making everyone
0: angry. We'll, we'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, Catherine, thanks so much. I noticed you didn't, uh, you haven't included anything on our friend uh, changing his uh, ideas on whether butter and uh, full cream milk are good for you or not. The flip-flopping mind, that happens there.
1: <laughs> but I can't keep up because when he said he hadn't changed his mind, he was just misquoted by the Sunday Times. Media. Oh yes,
0: he was misquoted. And uh, what's the other one the politicians use? He was misrepresented and all the rest of it.
1: But what I have to say about nurse is if you're that high profile, you better know how to use the media. You need to be able to make sure you get quoted properly. And senior people like him should know better. I agree. If you say crazy things, the media's going to...
2: Well, it's di- it's difficult America. to keep up.
0: It's difficult to keep up. I would agree with you. Thanks so much for the news and uh, we'll chat to you next week.
1: Cool. Have a good
0: day. All right. Thanks a lot, eh? Cool. Um, right. We're going to take a very short break. Uh, and then when I'm, when I come back, uh, we're in studio with uh, breast surgeon, reconstructive surgeon, head of the uh, Helen Joseph breast unit uh, and a number of others as well. Uh, Dr. Carol Ben. Clipscentral.com. I look forward- And we're back. Uh, an hour might actually not be long enough. Uh, I've got uh, Dr. Carol Ben in studio, um, and we could probably talk for a long time on Absolutely. many topics. Um, but uh, let's start off uh, on the breast yeah. side of things. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's Breast Cancer Awareness Absolutely, Month. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, that last story there, um, we had where this, you know, the people have now Photoshop-shaved heads.
3: It's cringeworthy.
0: Um. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just terrible. I mean, and, and you've been involved in a lot of breast cancer yeah. awareness campaigns. Yeah. Um, so I, I just, it's weird that they didn't you know, pick it up.
3: Sometimes I think it's harder for women to lose their hair than to lose their breasts. It's so out there, it's so traumatic. Mm. And, and just the concept of photoshopping something and putting it out there is, for me, just shows such a lack of respect. Well, the hard journey. Chemotherapy is like an extreme event. It's like climbing yeah. Mount Kilimanjaro. It's not easy. Yes. And I think we need to be aware of it. And I don't know, of course, it gets the media attention and out there. But I thoroughly enjoyed the the comment from uh, your Times journalists about, well, people are now aware and will they feel their breasts. I don't think so. Mm. I don't think that is going to drive people to say, oh, well, look, someone's bald. Let me check my breasts. It's not a positive incentivizing story. I think mm. it's hard enough to go through a breast examination, it's hard enough to go for a mammogram because mammograms like wearing a seatbelt. You don't put your seatbelt on because you go, "Oh, I'm wearing my seatbelt, I'm not going to have an accident." Yeah. You're putting your seatbelt on in case you have an accident that it protects you. So, going for your mammogram is picking something up early. You're mm. actually exposing yourself. Sure. A- Any time you do health tests, you're exposing yourself to the possibility of what if you find something wrong. And that's why we need to be very sensible and sensitive about how we promote awareness. Because what's interesting when you look at the screening studies, they're quick to turn around. And screening is all about health economics. Hmm. In fact, I think most things in life are about health economics. You you can't set up
0: a screening program if it's not economical. That's one of the factors.
3: So it is now no longer economical to screen anywhere in the world. That's why we've changed from forty to fifty in the US and it's three early in the UK. Yeah, and
0: the big what, debates about this.
3: Absolutely. And what was interesting when you looked at the studies is they were quick to say, but we did not decrease the number of advanced cancers we saw. And if you think about that psychologically, somebody sitting in a I hate the term first world in a educated in a environment where you, screening is pushed at you and you're reminded the person with advanced cancer is choosing not to screen. Yeah. It's the psychology of I've definitely got yeah. something there, but I'm not coming in for a reason. Mm. So technically you're never going to change that statistic mm. because wherever you are in the world, person who knows there's something wrong and chooses not to come in, there's another reason why they're choosing not to come in. Yeah. So it's picking up the early cancers. It's the possibility of maybe overdiagnosing. And it's again, the health economic issue about possibly doctors overtreating, and, I love these programs because I think we must always question what we do medically, and I like the fact that I can always say a big government unit and private unit because people should have access to health care should be a fundamental right
2: it, it to have good
3: health care, irrespective of whether you have the finances and the funding available mm-hmm. and I think that 's partly what your show was about previously well the one before that yeah I I caught caught up up absolutely so really it 's about. If we're getting the information out there that you're going to examine your breast and say you're 22 and you feel a lump in your breast, and most time a 22-year-old with a breast lump is going to be a fibroadenoma and nothing of concern, but we do see 22-year-olds with breast cancer. Hmm. So they need to go not to the not-so-friendly surgeon who's going to say, oh, an opportunity to do lumps Cut and bumps, empty list syndrome, yeah. okay, I don't have a case tomorrow, but rather to be sent to, again, a sensible radiologist who just does an ultrasound and not a mammogram and ultrasound and... Um, says, well, okay, if you're not on a a medical aid, we can send you to a government hospital. We can do a core biopsy and find out what it is. And most times, if you know what it is, you don't need to take it out. Yeah. It's finding out what it is and educating about what to do with what you find.
0: All right. So let's unpack because you said a lot there. Sure. So let's start off with the basics, which is before you get anywhere near a doctor, and I often tell patients... um, you know, it's, stay away from doctors. As long um, as possible. Because, yeah, when you need us, we're important. But, Absolutely. Uh, but certainly don't, uh, open yourself up to us too often. Because, I like that. Because, uh, you know, once you open the can of worms, sometimes Absolutely. it's difficult to put the them back in. The <laughs> incidentaloma. Yeah, the incidentaloma. Um, so, so if you just want to kind of be safe right. and you want to examine yourself and what age should we be examining well, I think from? Th-
3: the 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 basic thing in life is knowing your body. So it's really it's your temple. So you get to know your body. So if you're 13 or 15 and you're starting to develop breasts, have a look at your what they look like in the mirror, and you see your moms who come in with panicked about little girls having breast buds. And the thing is, breasts develop asymmetrically. Our bodies are asymmetrical, so expect the one breast to be bigger than the other. You get different types. You get tuberous breasts, which have got constricted bases and Look like ice cream cones. <laughs> so they're all different. Um, one in five women have extra breast tissue and extra nipples. So understand you. Then what you do is with the flat of your hand, you, you lift your arms to the side and you make sure when you're lifting your arms, you're pulling on the pectoral muscles and you're seeing how your breasts move. Then with the flat of the hand, you examine your breasts and you, with your arm relaxed at the side, you feel under your arm. And If that is your baseline, what you usually have, so some people have lumpy, bumpy breasts, some people have fatty breasts, then if you're doing that once a month and you're choosing either a calendar day or a week after your period, then you will pick up if something doesn't feel the same as it did the month before. Sure. And that is really your indicator for seeking help. Suddenly you feel something that you're not sure about, then you want to go to a friendly general practitioner who... Must confirm it, and if you are not happy with their answer, because technically you should know your body better than the doctor does, mm-hmm. okay, then requesting something as simple as an ultrasound is non invasive and it gives you a baseline. If they don't find anything too concerning, they can repeat that in three months' time. You've sure, got a baseline.
0: So, so all right, so people hopefully are examining themselves because sure. I mean, one of the problems is if it's the first time you've ever examined yourself and yeah, kind of sure. taken you're going to find something
3: absolutely so then. Check it a month's time. Check it in a month's time. Because that's exactly it. You can have lumpy, bumpy breasts and you feel this and you think, oh, I'm not sure what I'm feeling and is this breast tissue. So feel it again in a month's time. If something is staying stable, fabulous. Yeah. Okay. Because cancer grows. Absolutely. Absolutely. And really, so you just want to notice are they different. Don't squeeze your nipples. The nipples are glorified plugs. I always say (laughs) breasts are for blondes. You know, they are probably one of they're the only endocrine organ that has no negative feedback. If you think about it, if your thyroid doesn't work, it sends a message to your brain, produce more. Yeah. If you stimulate the nipples, you will produce more substance. It sends a message, prolactin, and you will yeah. produce more, so don't squeeze your nipples. If you see something leaking from your nipple, different story. If you see a scaly plaque on the top of your nipple, different story. Yeah. But a lot of the time if you've got itchiness in the nipple or on the areola, the brown skin, that can just be eczema. And this concept of soaping everything, perfume soaping everything left, right, and center from top to bottom is nonsense. Yeah. Okay.
0: All the chemicals.
3: Absolutely.
0: Right. All right. So let's say you do find something right. and you know it's different because it wasn't okay. there before. Yeah. So you go GP. He decides, cool, he's going to send you. Now, mammograms, because that's okay. what's been the sort of staple right. for a very long time. Yeah. And it, I think a lot of GPs might still not be educated sure. in terms of sure. younger patients. So less
3: than 35, ultrasound sure. over mammogram and ultrasound.
0: Yeah. So you're not going to really pick up much on a mammogram on a young patient.
3: Well, it's because the breast tissue is dense. So you can do it. But the tissue is dense. It's kind of like looking in the game park when you have put lots of grass. It's hard to see the animals.
0: Okay. okay. Good. Great. Great analogy. There we go. Right. Okay. So... um Let's say they find something. Yeah. Uh, so be it ultrasound, be it um, sure. mammogram. Next then you step. should
3: do a core needle biopsy, not a fine needle aspiration which splats out cells, but a core needle biopsy, and that gives you a small area of tissue, and the tissue tells you what it is, and it must fit. So in other words, if it looks like a fibroadenoma, which is a non cancerous lump for the listeners, then the core biopsy must say fibroadenoma. It mustn't say benign or atypical. So it has to identify it. Exactly. Absolutely. It's got to be like a puzzle. Identify it. And once you know what it is, most non-cancerous lumps you do not need to take out. If they grow, and they grow bigger than 3 centimeters, and we see big, giant fibroadenomas, 10, 12 centimeters, mm. then we take it out, and everything should be taken out through cosmetic incisions. If it comes back as a breast cancer, and we do see breast cancers in youngsters, 22, 24, 28, Thirty-five, fifty, and it's not a, um, a disease of elderly white women. It's across the board. It happens yeah. to anyone. And 6 out of 10 ladies who get a breast cancer have no risk factors. So you know what? We, we, I think we've been asking the wrong questions at medical school for centuries. Because so
0: that's a question I just got on my screen, which is yeah. what's the cause?
3: You know what? It's the reverse lotto of life. It's everything chunks down into the – it's a bit of genetics, a bit of environmental, diet, lifestyle. And – I think the most important thing is really exercise decreases cancer risk. That we know. Otherwise, it's not really what you eat or what supplements you take. There's mm. no data to show that any of that makes, makes any, any difference. difference. Okay. Clearly, hormonal things must play a role. But to what extent, we don't really know. Because if you if you look at um, guys and girls, this whole concept of what's oh, in the food you eat. Men have breast tissue too. The male breast cancer rate has remained stable, yet the female breast cancer rate has increased and men have breast tissue too. Yeah. So So
0: if it was what we were eating, then men should have more. We should see a higher rate.
3: Absolutely. So clearly, people always ask me about HRT, hormone replacement therapy in breast cancer in elderly women. And it's a fertilizer. You fertilize the roses, the weeds grow too. So it's probably not a causative agent. It's probably not the thing that's driving the causative change. But if but it's if, there. if if it's there and you fertilize it's gonna grow.
0: Yeah. Alright, yeah. fair enough. So we don't really fully know causes. No. Um there's been a lot said about yeah. the BRCA gene.
3: Oh yes. Um Angelina Jolie. Angelina
0: Jolie's. Jolie. So uh, what it was about two years ago she uh, I
3: had the privilege of having dinner with her doctor from a genetics point of view last t- two times ago when I was in the States and um she actually has two of the genetic mutations. Um, so she was sitting with about an 80% chance of developing breast cancer and a high chance of ovarian. Mm. What is interesting is only 10% of people have the BRCA1, the BRCA1, and 2. And I always say there's a trigger. So you're born with it. Yeah. So what changes? Why all of a sudden do people decide, well, I have to take out all, all my take my breast tissue out and have barbie boobs? It's about triggers. So it's different when you're in your 20s and you're partying around and you tattoos and life's easy and this and that. But suddenly when you're 40 and you've got a brood of kids and then your aunt becomes metastatic with a breast cancer, you your life you profiles are um, are suddenly different. And yeah. I often see that with a, a lot of the ladies I counsel and we do do risk reducing surgery. It has to be done very carefully. People must be well counseled. They must speak to people who've had the same procedure. Yeah. And only 20% of people with a BRCA gene do do the surgery, hey? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So they must be counselled. They must see reconstructive surgeons about their problems. Not the oh, wonderfully, wonderfully, we can make Barbie boobs, but what happens when it goes wrong? Yeah, when you land up with arteries. absolutely et hardened, rock hard prostheses, Okay. They must um, see a psycho oncologist because the interesting thing about reconstruction is I always used to think that you know. It's about men. We reconstruct for men, and the issue around relationships is men don't understand, but actually I was 100% wrong. It's women. Men are actually quite simple, straightforward creatures. If they're going to be in a relationship, they're really not faced about what your breasts look like or what this. But women, we're the ones who stand on the scale every day, look at what's on the front page of the cosmopolitan, and we use that as our baseline. So we look and think, well, if we this doesn't look fine, then we're not going to be sexually attractive yeah. and if we don't feel sexually attractive we don't engage in a relationship, a physical relationship, so when you're dealing with risk reducing surgery, you need to see the psycho oncologist and the lady must be clear, okay, that she understands that her sexuality for her partner is not going to be based on what he sees but how she feels about what he sees yeah, so okay. it's
0: it's obviously the physical side absolutely. but it's emotional is absolutely, so
3: important. huge.
0: All right, so, but now if you go and do risk-reducing sure. surgery... We
3: keep the nipples, we keep all the skin, mm. um, tissue in, tissue out, prosthesis in, takes less than an hour and a half, two days in hospital, it's a one-stage procedure today. Cool. But it's not like buying a pair of jeans. Yeah, I was just okay. going to say, it sounds it's too not easy. not like <laughs> buying a pair of jeans. You can't take them back. Yeah. And if something goes wrong, there's nothing left.
0: And there's always risk. Surgery oh, has risk. That's surgery has
3: risk. It's not like walking into your local clothing stop and saying, oh, well, I want one of these. That looks nice on the shelf. Mm. Absolutely not.
0: Yeah. Not. Um, if you don't remove ovaries as well, have you yes. really removed all the risk?
3: Okay, so the, the interesting studies, the studies that if somebody is um, BRCA1 and 2 and you take out their ovaries, you decrease their breast cancer risk because you're putting them into menopause. Yeah. But if you're doing that in young women, you're significantly increasing their cardiac risk, more so than their breast cancer risk.
0: Absolutely, because of the estrogen (sighs) being cardioprotective.
3: Absolutely. So you've got to look at what it is. If it's a bracket 2, they've got a high risk of breast, and it's not just ovary. So bracket 2 is things like endometrial, stomach colon, pancreas, male skin. So I always say you can't just turn around to the lady and say, oh, we're going to take out your breast tissue and decrease your risk. You need to analyze particularly with the bracket twos that it's not just about the breast and the other things you can't go around take off your skin and take out your pancreas and ta- you, you can't so they have to have an understanding in terms yeah. of what their genetic profile is and how they need to follow themselves up.
0: Yeah, I mean, and that there's no—it's not a cure. It's no, like, you can't complete. No, completely and it's done. risk reduction. And, and it's not
3: profile access. Yeah, absolutely,
0: because eh? even you could even get breast cancer after risk sure, reduction surgery. Sure, sure,
3: it's decreasing a risk. Mm. It's not preventing. You can never prevent. Okay.
0: okay. Yeah. All right. So, so good. So we've we've gone quite quite into yeah. it. Um, if you so. With regards to you do the core biopsy, let's go back there. Yeah. Um, Are you guys, you're doing that under local? You're doing that under... So core biopsies are done under local.
3: They're done under local anesthetic. Then when you have the results, now I'm just literally back from the U.S., the current recommendation is nobody should rush into any breast cancer treatment. It's safe to wait at least four weeks before starting any definitive treatment. So I want to stress three things, Okay. If breast cancer is this emergency where everyone's saying, "Oh, you must rush in and chop your breast off," if mm. it's cancer, never kills in the breast; it kills elsewhere. So, if it's an emergency, you should be seeing an oncologist and not a surgeon. Okay. Um, so there's no rush. Yeah. Next thing is, if you have any scary medical diagnosis, go to an appointment with a friend, okay, or a partner. Take notes. Go for second opinions. Okay. When you go for a second opinion, don't tell anyone what the first opinion is. A true opinion is an unbiased opinion. Yeah. Okay. So look at all your options and then make sure that it's well explained. Ask your doctor how many times they do the procedures, why they say this. Question your doctors. Stop putting your doctors on pedestals.
2: Okay. Fair enough.
3: Then what you do is once you've got the diagnosis, the core biopsy, oftentimes what we do is because I mentioned that breast cancer and the breast can't kill Cancer's ability to kills and its ability to spread. We so now and check what's going on with the lymph nodes. If there's cancer in the lymph nodes, for a large percentage of breast cancers, okay, it's a bit like it's spread, so therefore what we do is we often give chemotherapy to melt the cancers away for certain types of cancers. If it's not in the glands, oftentimes we check the glands with a procedure called a sentinel lymph node biopsy. Absolutely. And then what we do is we take time looking at all the options. I'm going to lecture tomorrow night on personalized oncology care. And that is really around the fact that it's not a recipe and it's not one size fits all. So, in other words, today, okay, you can have a 28-year-old with a breast cancer that may or may not be genetic that has gone to the glands that you will give chemo, meltdown, and then you may take out an area and just do a breast lift. So, in other words, you've got to understand Do they need radiation? You need to understand it's not everyone should just have a mastectomy. The survival is equal whether you do a breast-saving operation or a mastectomy, and it's about individualizing every single patient and also understanding upfront what is required, okay? Mm. Not turning around. I often see people who come off their chemotherapy, and now someone wants surgery, and then they say, but do I need radiation? And because they haven't been discussed initially in a multidisciplinary unit, no one has... Looked at that up front.
0: So you need to have a plan, essentially. Absolutely. There's got to be a plan before you begin. Plan, plan before from, you begin. From beginning to end, Absolutely. what's going to happen? Yeah. Yeah. You can't decide no. halfway through. No. If we no. need a change. No. and Absolutely. This is going to be a mess. Sure. Okay. So, um, I think uh, let's take a, a short break, and uh, when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. I just want to remind the listeners: you can give us a call if you have any questions. Oh eight six one five 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 one eight nine. Or you can uh, send a message into the WeChat account, uh, Cliff Central, or catch us on Twitter.
2: never good Never turns out as it should No one ever held you No single moment of truth But if you were mine Would have looked into those eyes and said, tell me the words you lost.
0: Some music from Pink And uh, the Health Hour This week Discussing Breast cancer Breast cancer awareness mm. Shortly you d- Discussing uh, Breast reconstruction And yeah. boobs in general I just wanted to ask um, I see Someone just uh, Before I ask my question Someone just uh, Sending us a message Saying they're Quite upset with Leon Liebenberg with yeah. Regarding that, that Head shave thing yeah. And I, I see on Twitter Many people thought She had genuinely Shaved She's her got head She's a beautiful bald um, head She should she, Well yeah. We agree She does look pretty yeah. Like that yeah. Um Anyway, but uh, talking about this thing of not putting doctors on pedestals, and I I agree with you, and I I really think we discussed before the show, you know, medicine is all about education, really. If if we could educate people properly, solve half our problems. Um, But uh, there is a bit of an issue with the fact that people often, you know, go on a surface level, and they'll Google something, and the stuff on Google regarding breast cancer, Uh, cancer in general, is just terrifying.
3: It is terrifying and I also think I mean we've recently had that book Fault in Our Stars or Fault in Your Stars and the movie out there and I spend a lot of time I think on Sunday morning I'm seeing three sets of mummies with their kids and their daughters because it's so terrifying what you're exposed to either in Google or some form of media which has not got depth of understanding. That's why it has to be interpreted. So my feeling is don't go rushing into just Dr. Google and this, you need to use your doctor as your base, ask them where you should look if you want more information, and go back to them in terms of what you find. Mm. Because the frightening thing is you, you pick up a link and then you follow it all the way until you get into more and more terrifying arenas. Because what you are doing, you're chasing your own horror movie. And the nice thing about the internet is you can do that around the next corner and there you hear yeah. the steps. And what you do is you follow the links that you're looking for, that you are That fit frightened, in with what you're worried about. That you're frightened about. And all it's doing is playing more and more into the anxiety. So you can find anything on the internet. Internet has no depth. It's a massive, big puddle. Yeah. Okay. And
0: I think important is that your doctor does not want to hurt you. They're, not at all. You know, they. it's not that they're infallible. Absolutely. But uh, certainly they, they don't ever go out to no, cause you harm. No, so, no. you know, trust, a bit of trust.
3: Well, yeah, I think you've got to trust your doctor. And if you don't trust your doctor, you shouldn't be with that doctor. Yeah. So, and, and of course, some people have trust issues. But then that's when we get oncology psychologists and people on board. You need to be secure. And I understand that having a cancer diagnosis or having any medical diagnosis creates huge insecurity because all of a sudden it's, why me? It's a bit like being mugged in the middle of the day. You mm. just don't expect it. <laughs> yeah. For most women. So what you've now got to do is sensibly, and that's why I say go with a friend, hear what people say and you've also got to be reasonably sensible in what people offer because I often see people who, my friend suggested we go there and I, I mean I've just recently lost a lady who went the prayer route for a high grade triple negative breast cancer and sure died and left little kids and you know clearly it was her choice. And I think medically we think where did we fail in terms of not seeing that you can possibly still use what your beliefs are Absolutely. in conjunction not with conventional medicine. Sure. And and I think that's the other thing about this concept of alternative treatment. I don't like the word alternative. I think if you can turn around and say it's complimentary to and discuss everything you're taking with your doctor, you can find some reasonable compromise. Yeah. But we've been trained in what I call conventional or Western medicine for a reason. Because there's a basis of science, mm. okay. And studies and research. And the evidence based evidence based medicine. And anyone who tells you they've got the solution, they've got a hundred percent success rate or something if it sounds that, too that good to it sounds to be true to, to, to years. So, yep. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right, let's 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 talk about the multidisciplinary team. That's you've right. touched on it, um, yeah. and I mean it leads into the whole breast reconstruction side. Um, you know, y- you've been diagnosed, yeah. and generally you're going to deal with at least two specialists.
3: I think you must insist on treatment, and when I talk about multidisciplinary teams, I'm not talking about a, a coven. I'm your friend and you refer to me and you... So uh, the specialists, there have to be enough people in a multidisciplinary unit so that people are coming from independent practices. Yeah. So in other words, uh, at least two or three oncologists from independent practices, at least two radiation oncologists, independent practices. We have pathologists from different pathology um, labs. labs. Because what you're doing then is nobody is beholden to agreeing with anyone else. You're getting insight from different disciplines about every single patient and every single patient should be discussed in a multidisciplinary environment and then it gets discussed back with the patient what the options are because often there's not an absolute black and white. So for example, we discussed two ladies today who have cancer in the glands and large big tumors, but the cancers are incredibly low grade. They are sleepy cancers. They've probably been sitting there for 10 years and doing almost nothing and the Consensus was, is there actually value in chemotherapy in those patients? Probably not, and once you 'd thrashed out that, you go back to the patient. then you send the patient to then an oncologist who will then look at the patient and say, "Well, we discussed this in the MDM, but now, when I have a look at you, this is what I think as well, and we 're going to bring that back so there 's this ongoing good discussion it 's a bit like how businesses run yeah. and we have the um, good multidisciplinary um, teams both in the government and the private sector and also what I call as clinical radiology meetings where we're discussing mammograms with clinicians as well as an an unusual multidisciplinary that we've got which is an onco-reconstructive multidisciplinary where we have at least three reconstructive surgeons looking at what is the best way in each patient for a best breast reconstruction because what I've learned over the years is that 9 out of 10 ladies are alive 10 years down the line with the breast cancer. Not all of them are disease-free. Yeah. However, with the onset of the last 20 years here in this country and 40 to 50 years in Europe of reconstructing breasts and mainly immediately, we started to read this, reach this concept of chasing the nirvana of the perfect breast. So now what you've done is you have taken out part of an organ or a whole organ and you've reconstructed it. And then as you get further out from your cancer diagnosis and your body's changed because you've gone on medicines that you may have picked up weight or gone into menopause, now you start looking at the reconstructed breast, which is technically mostly not real or part of it or definitely yeah. changed or being, radiated some way. or being radiated or yeah. being altered. Sure. And now it's not good enough doesn't quite look like what you expect or what you want. So you start – it's a good thing because you're becoming less cancer phobic and more body image, aware, image, image conscious. Yeah. But there has to be some form of middle of the road, a balance. I often say it's a bit like if you amputate a leg. What, no matter how you reconstruct it or you put on a prosthesis, it's never, never going to look the same. Absolutely. And it's never going to be your leg. So if you take off half a breast and bring in a muscle or take off half a breast and make it smaller, do a breast reduction. It sounds ideal for a big-breasted woman to have a breast reduction to treat her breast cancer. It's how perfect can you get. <laughs> and it's paid for by the medical aid. But now you're radiating that breast too. So that breast will never change. It's like hands, Solo on us. And the other <laughs> breast will droop over time. And all of a sudden, five years down the line, you went where you were, yeah. With the one has drooped and the other hasn't. So there are all those issues to take into consideration.
0: Right. So how do you how do you make as close to the perfect oh, breast as possible? Oh, we make
3: beautiful boobs today, and that's part of the problem. In fact, the reconstructive surgeons do a spectacular job in making excellent breasts. But what I always say is, remember, our bodies age and change over time, yeah. And that's what you've got to take into account. So. And also you've got to have routine and regular follow ups. So we can make breasts smaller. We can bring tissue in from different places, local, regionally, from around areas. And we really, so that when you've finished with your cancer surgery and after your radiation, you look and you think, fabulous, I can wear my bikini on the beach. Or we scoop out all the tissue and save the nipples and create what I call Barbie boobs. Okay. But you've got to also realize that that's the now and over time things are going to change.
0: Sure. Um, uh, Just a question on whether um, traditional healers, their role. um,
3: Well, when I set up the unit at Barra, I actually got the traditional healers involved in the Barra Clinic. And over the years, um, every couple of years, we asked to be invited to their congress, Because I do think that um, people's spiritual and the beliefs of whether it's a traditional healer or whether it's... um, Spiritual healer should play a role. So it's good to work together because some of the medications that they use are fine. Some of the things can create huge havoc and are not the answer. And we see people with these big advanced cancers who have gone for traditional medicine and they haven't worked. So I think the concept of working together is better than working apart. I
0: tend to agree. Um, All right. So let's uh, use the last 10 minutes or so just to discuss. Not so much the cancer side of things, but just breast problems, common breast issues.
3: Okay, so most people present with breast pain. Um, One of the commonest causes of breast pain is actually not breast pain. It's costochondritis, inflammation in the rib. Yeah. Okay. And then you get pulling pain. Okay, so you've got big, heavy breasts, and you get pulling along the muscle. You get little burning, shooting pains through your breast, which is inflammation in the ducts, and you get that hormonal breast pain, which is cyclic breast pain, which responds... um, Nicely, usually to evening primrose or B6, and we can use some other medications as well, which should be managed with your doctor. Nipple discharges, we're concerned if it leaks on its own. If it's a non spontaneous discharge when you squeeze, okay, stop squeezing. Okay.
0: <laughs> and then okay. that'll solve the problem. That'll
3: usually solve the problem. If it leaks continually and it's milky on both sides, really it can be a prolactin tumor in the head, but most commonly it's residual milk and stop squeezing. And, um, Sometimes we see yellow-green discharges, which is inflammation, common in women who smoke, and it's inflammation in the ducts, ductectasia. If you're not sure. allergic to sulfur, Bactroban works beautifully and stops squeezing. There we go. <laughs> okay.
0: All right. Uh, any, any, anything else that uh, I think um,
3: hopefully what we wh- what we should be taking away is that people should be examining their breasts, that if they're concerned that they can access good government units, that you shouldn't be – just um, concerned that you've sat listening to an hour on the radio about breast problems, but now what to do. So for me, awareness and education has to be followed with access and care. And we're fortunate enough um, to run a unit, particularly at Helen Joseph, and there's a great unit at Chris Barra and at Joe Jane. but that we will take anybody from anywhere. We run open clinics, so a new patient clinic on a Wednesday. And if you think you've this got a cancer, that's right, and a follow-up clinics on a Thursday. But you just come in. You don't need a book. You don't need to have a doctor phone. Anything. You just arrive and we will see you.
0: Okay. Great. So that's uh, that's obviously Helen Joseph people right. across the country?
3: Across the country. Yeah. You know, there are problems in the Cape for me that you have to be referred in through regional to specialist units. I think this concept of having to go via, via. Beg, borrow,
0: and steal to access a specialist. It's
3: absolutely crazy because, you know, if you take a day of work, people have taken a a loss of a salary and income if they are fortunate enough to work. They're often catching taxis. Mm -hmm. They're taking money that they don't have. You want to be managed on that day. So we've got a, a breast health website, but, I mean, I'd happily set something up with you guys. Just where... They can access doctors who can turn around and say, here's where you need to access services in Natal. I've set up clinics in um, Petersburg, Poliquani, and what we try and do is set up nursing training in the, in the local clinics so that if somebody has a problem, they, they can, can access. And they can recognize. And people come from all over the country, Taylor us If We see them from all over.
0: What are your numbers like?
3: Yeah, <laughs> we run big clinics. We 150, 200 patients on a Wednesday and a Thursday. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and, you know, successes? Because, I mean, you, you oh, set it up from it was nothing, essentially. Oh,
3: absolutely. I mean, I, that, that's the same thing when we set up the Joba Clinic and the Chris Honey Barra Clinic. And it's a beautiful clinic. We will never turn anyone away. And we've really change the face, we, we're picking up more and more young breast cancers, earlier breast cancers, and that's really the aim because we're still seeing about 60% of the ladies in the country presenting with cancers bigger than 5 centimeters. If we can change that one thing, to pick up something early and come in, we make a huge difference in terms of survival.
0: Yeah, it's uh, you know it's, uh, that whole presentation concept, absolutely. but it's also getting over the psychology of absolutely. Of
3: Why are people not coming in? If you're starting with your traditional healer, why don't you come in with your traditional healer? See if we can come up with a compromise. Okay. So I think the two reasons why people don't present is ignorance and fear. And ignorance is the value of programs like this because then people turn around and go, hold on, but I should be concerned and I must come in. Yeah. Yeah. And fear is a very difficult concept to deal with. Let me tell you this. Breast cancer is a slow-growing breast cancer. If you're sitting there with something in your breast that you think is breast cancer... It's going to come stinking through your skin before it's going to kill you. So you're going to be aware of it from a smell and a surround mm. rather than – it's not going to rapidly kill you in three months. Yeah. So rather come in and deal with it, and there's a good chance that you're going to be around two years, five years, and ten years down the line.
0: And then if you make it to ten, I mean
3: – Oh, yeah. And our studies go to ten years because we lose too many people to follow up after ten years. Yeah. So it's very hard to do a 20-year follow-up in medicine.
0: But if you've made it to ten, generally Absolutely. with most things, you're Have probably fun. probably yeah. going to die of something else. Absolutely, hit by the bus Absolutely. or something.
3: Absolutely, All
0: right. So, um, do you want to give us some websites, some contact details? Okay.
3: I think it's www health. Okay, I think it's at Neat care. Um, and then there's a system line oh eight six oh two double three two double three. Um, I'm happy to set up some links for you guys. Okay. Being a bit of a techno moron. No, no Facebook, <laughs> I've, no Twitter. I've, uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to get you onto Twitter.
0: Um, so it was 0860 All
3: All right, okay. and that gets you through to like a helpline. A, a helpline, it's a CareSys line, and that'll put you, it'll tell you if you're not on a medical aid, you know, dial 4 for the Helen Joseph Clinic and when the clinics are. So it's a general care a line that's. Okay, that's fantastic. There you go.
0: Anything else? Anything? No, it's
3: been. Well, you're doing a fabulous job, and it's been an absolute privilege, and it's great to see you again. You're still looking young, smart, and good looking. (laughs) Isn't that nice? Oh goodness, Splattery
0: will get you everywhere. Absolutely. Uh, Thank you so much for coming into the show. It's uh, really wonderful to have you. Um, and, you know, obviously. Yeah, keep uh, up the good work. Well, you keep yeah, up the good yeah. work because I think, you know, it's, it's amazing what you're doing. I've got my minion
3: t-shirt on. Yes. I just need You me. have
0: to actually go to the cliffcentral.com Twitter account to see mm. the uh, uh, okay. Assemble the Minions. Yeah, I just need um, minions. Uh, okay. Assemble the Minions uh, t-shirt that, uh, or shirt that, uh, Dr. Wearing. Ben is wearing. Carol, please. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, thank you so much Pleasure. for coming into studio. Um, Next week, I uh, don't have a confirmed topic yet for you, but uh, don't worry. We'll have a, another interesting guest. And uh, thanks for listening to the show. Um, as always, you can catch me on Twitter at Jonathan underscore dot um, cliffcentral.com at cliffcentral.com. And I'll see you next week. Thanks so much and bye.